Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, it was time for another break in the action. You know, we name all these episodes, we give them a specific title, and I would think that I wouldn't have to use this one again, but here we are. It's a break in the action part two, if you will. Avs having a few games postponed, of course, due to positive tests within the team. We're going to talk about that and their path going forward. Got a lot of other fun stuff for you. We got your responses and how you're feeling about the team coming back from yet another pause during these very difficult times. Hoping everybody on the team is okay. Of course, there were three positive tests. Looks like they're getting over it quite well. And we'll be able to see them get back to the ice very soon. We'll see how it all goes. As we welcome you in to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. Welcoming you into the show. You can follow along on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. And also on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me at Eric underscore Pesolano. You can do it on Twitter as well. But a lot to go over, of course. Not so many games to recap, only one played before we found out the team had some positive tests and had to put a pause on the season for a second time. So we'll see what they're going to do with a schedule that has already been condensed for this hockey team. It's probably only going to get more slammed into a short period of time. The NHL the other day, of course, announcing they don't really know the start date of the Stanley Cup playoffs yet. So maybe they'll make an announcement as soon as they figure out what to do with the Avalanche. So let's see, what are we going to talk about today? We'll talk about everything going on with the halt and play. We'll recap the game against the Blues from last week. We'll try to make some predictions on what the regular season could look like going into the postseason as well. Going to check on your thoughts, have some responses from social media about how you feel about the team coming out of the pause. And finally... We're going to go ahead and look in with the Colorado Eagles down in the AHL and take a look at how they've been doing over the past week and a half or so. So we're so glad you could join us. We're going to have a lot of fun. But of course, we're going to start off with the negatives, or in this case, the three positives. The positive tests that they had with Philip Grubauer, Bo Byram, and Jonas Donskoy testing positive for COVID-19. The team having to put the season on pause yet again, postponing at least three games. The two that were scheduled against the LA Kings, and then one at St. Louis. They are scheduled to get back on the ice Thursday night against the St. Louis Blues. We will see if that one is still on. Second time the Blues games have been affected, with the Avalanche having to shut things down for a period of time. So we know they're going to have to reschedule at least those three. They already had four against the Kings. They still have four to go, including the last two to finish the regular season. And these two games were supposed to be in Denver, so you wonder if they're just going to go ahead and tack them on to the end of the regular season, maybe play a game on the 10th and 12th, or even the 10th and the 11th, maybe the 9th and the 11th, after they wrap up the last two originally scheduled regular season finales in L.A., Might give them a travel day to come back home and play those two. As for the game against St. Louis, what could they possibly do with that one? The team already has no more than one day between any two games for the rest of the regular season. Maybe they have to add all three of these to the end. Are they going to shuffle some around? When you come down to these last few weeks, 
you know, it's going to be rough to try to shift games. You might as well leave everything in place and just tack on those three to the end and push back the playoffs another week. Is it feasible? So many things that have to be thrown into the equation. Arena availability. Yes, there's not a lot going on as far as things other than sporting events right now, but, you know, in some states, there's a chance that by that time, arenas could be open for other events. So now you're looking at scheduling conflicts. A couple of them are in Denver that were originally supposed to be scheduled. St. Louis was the other one. Those are two areas that may be okay with arena availability, and you could just tack them on to the end of the year. But we'll see what the NHL decides. At the time that we recorded this, still no announcement about rescheduling, so we will keep in tune with that, and hopefully we'll know by the time we come to you with the show again next week. Good news that came out today, just before we started recording this podcast. Looks like Bo Byram is now clear of the COVID-19 protocol list, which means he tested negative and can now come out of the quarantine period. Looks like he's going to be okay. Grubauer and Donskoy still on the COVID list, again, as of the recording of this podcast. So hopefully they're close to return. They were added not too long after Byram was. So you hope that in the next few days they get to come off as well and that all their symptoms were not all that bad. Haven't heard from them, of course, since we heard the news. I'm sure they'll talk about their experience when they get back out onto the ice for practices. But that's the best news out of the bunch. They're getting better, they're healing up, and hopefully be ready to go soon. Remember, this team was vaccinated. They tell you that getting vaccinated does not show up as a positive test. Were they vaccinated before the test happened? Were they in the middle of the two rounds of shots before getting a positive test? We don't know. We'll find out more information later, or maybe we won't, because I'm sure there's a lot of medical records that cannot be disclosed to the public. So maybe we'll never know. But in all honesty, that really doesn't matter. What matters is they're getting better. They're getting healthy. Let's get them back out on the ice. Make sure they're fully okay before they can do so. For the Avalanche, if they need to hold out Grubauer for a while, that's totally okay. They have two more than capable backup goaltenders. That can handle and hold down the fort in the meantime in Dubnik and Johansson, who has proven himself in his first few games wearing the burgundy and blue. So coming out of this pause... What do we expect? We've seen him do it once before, and things were a little rusty. You almost expect the same. Getting thrown right back into the fray without a whole lot of practice does you in a little bit, at least for a few games, a week or so, which right now when you're in the hunt for the President's Trophy, I think we can all agree that that's probably not the most important thing on their mind right now. Just get your home ice advantage, win your division, go into the postseason, firing on all cylinders. If you lose a couple because you've been rusty and haven't played in a while. Just going to have to roll with the punches. This team has probably faced the most adversity out of any of the teams that are going to head to the postseason this year. So this is just another bump in the road, and they're going to have to deal with it. If they want to find out what the best way to deal with it is, I don't know how many of those guys have buddies on the team in Vancouver. Maybe they can give them a ring and ask the Canucks, hey, what was your experience like? You had to shut down for quite a period of time. How were you able to get back into it and get back into it quickly? We saw how emotional their win was the other day over the Maple Leafs coming back in overtime and and winning that game and that it was a full team effort. And that's something that this team is going to need to rely on as they head to the final few weeks of the season and coming out of a huge layoff. 
The layoff is nice for rest purposes, although I don't know how much rest you can possibly get if you were the one who tested positive and had symptoms. I read a lot of responses for our question about it's nice for Grubauer to have some time off to rest, but how much rest is it really if you're sick? To be all honest, rest is nice when you're playing in games regularly and you get a couple days off. You know, the backup goaltender goes in there for a game or two and then you come back and you're working out and you're staying in shape and staying loose while you have that rest. You're just not playing a full 60-minute game. But when you're under the weather and you're not doing anything and you're bedridden or maybe not that extreme but not moving around, not being able to practice, not being able to stay loose and stay in shape, that can have a bigger effect than just having a couple days off. So maybe... They can get a hold of their friends up in Vancouver and ask a few questions about what they need to do to get back into it quickly. We do get to talk about one game, though. There was one game played before everything went down. That was against St. Louis out at Enterprise Center. Devin Dubnik, it was his team debut, and he took on Jordan Binnington. And right out of the gate, it was the Blues bit with the post monster. Bozak rung one right off the post. Then Belmar had an opportunity. He got... A square shot on net, but wasn't really a great opportunity. As a matter of fact, for the first few minutes, first half of the period, both teams skating real hard, but they just couldn't find a way to break through. A couple of goaltenders that started out real hot, and then it was Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who had been working hard, that got Bennington glove side. Nice heads-up pass, too, by Liam O'Brien, who found him in the slot. But all credit on this one, I think. Of course, the guy who put it in the net, the guy who passed it to him. But go back and look at that one. JT Comfort working real hard, kept the play alive, ground him out in front, and that fourth line got on the board first and really set the tone. But it wasn't too long later that Ryan Graves was called for holding against Vladimir Tarasenko. Avs did a good job of unclogging the middle, really, giving Dubnik good sight lines when shots were coming through. But eventually, Vince Dunn was able to redirect one on a Bozak pass in front. Gerard tried to tie Dunn's stick down in front, but... Wasn't able to do it. Game was even at one. Congrats to Vince Dunn, by the way. That was his 100th career point, and the Blues made things all even up. First period trudged on. Devin Dubnik was making saves. Was having trouble holding on to pucks, though, after he was making saves. Couple rebounds left out there. Nothing too dangerous, though. But at the end of one, Colorado and St. Louis were tied at one. Avs outshot the Blues 10-8, but were absolutely dominated in the faceoff circle. Blues doubling them up 16-8. to in that category, and the Blues, of course, scored on the only power play opportunity of the frame. Second period starts, Avs come out, absolutely blitz St. Louis. JT Comfer was able to stick with a loose puck off the post. He poked it in past Bennington. And again, Liam O'Brien on the play, redirecting a Timmons shot, which led to that rebound off the post. And you got your first career NHL point there for Connor Timmons getting the assist. But again, the fourth line getting it done. This is why this team probably has the best shot out of any team to win the Cup this year. Everyone is contributing from top to bottom. A little bit later on, Avs could not stop transition. Dubnik had to come up with a big save, his first real test as a member of the Avalanche, and he got it done, and that gives a lot of confidence to the guys in front of you that you're going to be able to make a save. Avs go to the power play after Wallman was called for hooking to Chushkin behind the St. Louis net, and Miko Rantanen blasts one with Landeskog screening out in front. Sixth power play goal in the last six games at this point for the Avalanche. Makar and McKinnon get the helpers, and the Avs take a 2-1 to one lead. Taves 
had himself a two-on-one, he being the one, back defensively. Great pass breakup as he was able to get in front of a Scandella. Well, it looked like he was going to shoot it, and then he decided to pass it, and then that didn't really work out, and Dubnik was able to gather up that loose puck. Either way, Taves with a great play defensively, and when you get great defense after good offense, this is when a team really starts to gain confidence and starts buzzing around, and it showed because Brandon Saad had a one-timer from Jost after Tyson was able to use the official as a screen back behind the net with Krug running into him. So the Avs were able to take, at that point, a 4-1 to one lead after they had scored three goals now in that second period to take a big lead going into the final frame. And these are stats that you love to read, that the Avs, at this point, were 23-0-1 after leading after two periods of the season. That's how you finish things up. Good teams win games. Great teams win championships. When you grind it out for those final 20 minutes, keep the other team off the scoreboard, or even win the close ones and just get a few stops in the end when they're needed, you're going to have yourself a great season. So Dubnik able to use his defense to make a couple of saves early on in the period. Team looked very in sync. I mentioned it earlier. They looked very comfortable with Dubnik back there between the pipes. Makar ended up playing up a two-on-one very well defensively. He forced a bad pass. But then eventually Mike Hoffman was able to bank one off of Dubnik from behind the net after it got dislodged. And of course, this was the one with the replay that should have taken all of 12 seconds at the most. Time to put the headset on, look at one angle of the video and say, okay, why did we blow the whistle? It went right off his back and into the net before the net was dislodged. So I'm not entirely sure how that call was missed initially, but the most important thing is they got it right. Even though it went against us in this one, we know watching live, it was going to be a goal and there really was no question about it. So good on the officiating for getting that one right, using replay the way they're supposed to. And yes, I know the replay officials back in Toronto were the ones really making the call, but still, everybody got together, they got it done, made the right call. A little bit later on, David Perron, he drove Ranton into the net after that kick save by Bennington. Things start to get just a little bit chippy. Sam Gerrard had a great defensive play after he pulled one off the goal line. It went off the far post. There was a scrum in front. It was just kind of sitting there. And number 49, Johnny on the spot. Or in this case, Sammy on the spot. You're welcome for that one. Able to knock it away. Abs then go shorthanded after a Landeskog tripping call. Abs able to kill it off. Dubnik came way out to the right of the crease to make a save just a few plays later. And eventually St. Louis was called for having too many men on the ice. But the last half of the power play, very, very poor by the team, to be honest with you. The Blues control the puck most of the time. And there was really no chance for the Avs to score anything and not even really hold the puck in the offensive zone at all. And the power play takes a step back uh, on this opportunity. So you hate to see that happen, but I'm sure they'll get back up and get it raring to go once they come back too. So at this point, the Blues squarely in possession of the puck for a lot of the period. Momentum swinging back their way. And then Tyson Jost flips the puck over the glass and gets called for a delay a game. Mike Hoffman again, huge blast. Gets it to bounce off Dubnik. Everything shifted back in the Blues' favor during that power play. And afterwards, moving forward, they were able to be a little bit more in sync. They looked a lot more confident out there. And when you sniff a little bit of blood, if you're a shark, they're the Blues. I get it. But they looked like sharks to blood out there when they started getting that momentum back after that power play. And then Dubnik had to make what is probably his signature stop in his first game as a member of the Avalanche on Bozak in front. After that perfect centering pass, Landeskog was a little bit late to get back to help out after Makar went down, but 
sometimes your defense breaks down and you need your goaltender to come up with a huge stop. And this was that for Devin Dubnik. So two and a half minutes left. Blues go with the empty net. Bennington heads to the bench. Couple scrums and a few shots on net for the Blues. Eventually they had to use their timeout with only seven seconds left. And I think this was the first time in a few weeks in a one goal game like this where I really started to feel nervous. Like could they actually break through and get an equalizer here this late in the game? Well, luckily we were able to breathe a sigh of relief as the last chance for the Blues at the buzzer goes wide of the net after they win their 40th faceoff of the night in 61 tries. They dominated in the circle, guys. You saw it, I saw it, and that's the taste that's left in our mouths as we headed into the pause, although at the time we really didn't know it. Final score, Avalanche win it 4-3. to They get outshot in this game 34-29, to mostly because of all the shots that were peppered on Dubnik in the final few minutes of the game by the Blues, outshooting the Avs by just five. The hit category? Surprise, surprise. The opposition wins it by a large margin, 32-19. to Again, huge margin in the face-offs for the Blues, 40-21. to Blues were 2-4 of four on the power play. Avs 0-1 oh, on the man advantage in that third period for a total of 1-3 of three in the contest. I said good teams win games, and great teams win championships. If you go back and look at the stats in this game for shots, hits, face-offs, power plays, and didn't know what the score was, and I asked you to predict who you thought won this game and what the score would be, you might say St. Louis 5-1. to one. For the Avalanche to win a game like this, I'm not going to say they were outplayed because they weren't outplayed. They were outplayed at times throughout the game, which is the story of a lot of other games. That's what happens. You're going to get outplayed, especially in close ones. But to see stats like that, sometimes numbers just don't tell you the story. They really don't. Avs put in four, getting outnumbered in all of those categories and win the game by a goal. When the odds are stacked against you, and you find a way to break through with a guy making his team debut in between the pipes. Boy, I tell you, something special is brewing. And I know things went downhill after this game when we found out everything that was going on with the COVID list. But at this moment in time, if this team can come back and put performances like this and string them back to back as this season goes on, I'd be afraid if I was everybody else in the West, even Vegas. If the Avalanche come out, play a game like that against them every night, and they make it that difficult for their opponents, I'm saying look out, and Lord Stanley might just be headed to the Mile High City. I'm not making that prediction right now. That's why I said he just may be. Anywho, Dubnik gets his first win in his first game with the club. Gotta love that. Penalty kill wasn't great. It could be a little better. We know Patrick Nemeth will be on the way eventually. I think he's going to help, so stay tuned with that. Third period effort wasn't great. It could have been better. Those are the notes I took away. From this one, our three stars, number three, Liam O'Brien with a couple of assists. Number two, Rantanen with the goal and assist. Number one, I gave it to JT Comfer with the goal and an assist because he did a lot of things that didn't show up on the score sheet in that game. And I, I think, you know, the points coupled with what he was able to do off the score sheet give him the edge at number one over Rantanen. Uh, Rantanen is in there just because he's doing Miko things. And that's what we like to see, game in and game out. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. Follow along with the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs. That's at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Eric underscore Pesolano. We got some fun questions coming up like we do every week. I want to hear your responses because we're going to talk about them on the show. All right, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule 
right now for the Avs. Currently, they're supposed to be at St. Louis on Thursday and Saturday, coming up this week, and then they'll go to Vegas Monday and Wednesday. Of course, we don't know if that's still going to be the case. We're awaiting word from the league, from the team, to see if those games are going to remain or if they will have to be moved as well. And not just whether or not they'll be moved or rescheduled, but whether or not they'll play any games Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. I'm guessing Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday they'll probably be back. Absolutely no question about it. Thursday game probably a little bit more up in the air, but maybe those extra few days between now and then will give them the time they need to gather themselves and get back onto the ice, get some practice time in before they're able to play one more time. One thing I wanted to do this week, something just a little bit different, was go down to the American Hockey League and do a little check-in on the Colorado Eagles at present time. Of course, they have a huge spotlight on them with Alex Newhook and Sampo Ranta coming into town and finally getting their first professional games under their belt. At this point now, Ranta has played four, Newhook has played two. In their last six games, they won three out of four against the Texas Stars. You'll love to see that. They split against the Bakersfield Condors in their last two games. But in their last game on April 14th, a goal and an assist each for Alex Newhook and Sampo Ranta. Newhook's goal, the first of his professional career. For Ranta, it was the second of his professional career because he had one on April 11th against the Texas Stars. But you love to see the guys coming in and contributing immediately. They've both had a couple games, well... Newhook has had one game. Ranta has had two games where they didn't record a point at all. That's going to happen. They're brand new. For them to even get to multiple points already in their first four games, you got to love what you're seeing out of the guys. It's just going to be a matter of time before they get called up. I still say don't do it this year at all. Wait till next year. Don't need them right now. Unless something catastrophic happens and you need an emergency guy to come up, at this point in time, things are all good up in the big club. Let these guys develop. They look good out of the gate. Let them go to work. Next up for them, they're going to have a couple games where they take on the Tucson Roadrunners. They're sitting in fifth place right now in the Pacific Division of the AHL. So they've got some work to do to climb back up to find their way to the postseason. It's going to be a very odd playoffs for the AHL. Their Atlantic Division only has three teams in it this year. Three teams in all the AHL decided to not play this season due to COVID-19. So things are very, very unbalanced. We've seen a couple of teams relocate this year to be closer to their big club. Out here, where I'm located at in Southern California, we saw the Ontario Reign move to El Segundo, which is closer to LA. That's where the Kings practice at Toyota Center. And then the San Diego Gulls moved up to Irvine to the Anaheim Ducks practice facility so they could be closer to the Ducks organization. Plus, they have a fine practice facility, if that's what you want to call Five Point Arena, where they're playing their home games this year. Very nice building to have when no fans were allowed in the building. That is changing soon. They're getting ready to allow fans into Five Point Arena to watch the Gulls play. They're going to play their last five games of the regular season in that facility before they head back to San Diego for next year and get back to Pachanga Arena. So it's a wild, wild year down in the American Hockey League. But from an avalanche standpoint, got to love what the Eagles are doing and what we're seeing out of New Hook and Ranta so far in their first few career games. With so much hoopla around those two guys, you know we're going to keep our eye on them as the rest of this regular season progresses, not just for the NHL, but for the AHL as well. We'll take a look at them throughout the playoffs and see how they contribute. All right, back up to the big club now. We asked the question on social media, 
How's everybody feeling? How are you feeling about this pause in the action? How do you feel they're going to do when they come back out onto the ice, fully recovered and ready to go? Practice time is going to be limited. Obviously, ice time in general is going to be limited. How do you think they're going to do? We're going to read some of your responses right now. Matthew Martell says this comes down to three things. Number one, how many players were unhealthy? Number two, how many players were able to keep practicing? And three, their drive and dedication. The first one, we know three players tested positive. I'm guessing, Matthew, you saying how many players were unhealthy, meaning how many were bedridden or showed a lot of symptoms and really weren't able to keep loose while they were in quarantine. So that's a good point right there, if I'm reading into this this point correctly. Were they able to continue to keep loose? Number two, how many players were able to keep practicing? Obviously, practice is a little tough with the team shutting down all of their operations. So if you have a couple guys who are not required to be in quarantine, who are off to the side and working out together and getting some time in, sure, maybe they're going to be loose and ready to go. But you know as an entire team, you're not going to practice with your full line. You're not going to practice with all the other guys. So you're probably going to be a little bit rusty when you get back out onto the ice. Number three, I don't think is a question for this team, the drive and dedication. We've seen what they've been able to do. I think that game against St. Louis was evidence enough that they were outplayed a little bit, still won the game. Drive and dedication, absolutely going to be there. Thank you, Matthew, for that. Dan Richard says, I think for most of the team, they might have one game of rust, but should otherwise be fine. For Gruby and Eunice especially, I would be concerned about their conditioning. We've seen in other sports how players coming back from COVID can lead to subsequent struggles the rest of the season. I expect the move Super Joe made to show their instant impact as our depth will really be called upon for the rest of the season. I love Super Joe. I love that nickname. The conditioning part is probably the most important thing to look out here. I mean, we don't know what these players were able to do while they were out in quarantine. I notice he doesn't mention being concerned about Byram coming back from being out of action. Probably because he's younger and he can get things moving and shaking a little bit easier than the older guys can. I'd imagine that's the reasoning there. But then the last point, hopefully those moves that Super Joe was able to make can can come in and make that impact immediately. We've already seen Soderberg go out there a little bit. Dubnik winning his first game, just waiting on Nemeth to make his appearance. So the guy's already well indoctrinated into the culture. Bailey Corey says, I think the rust is outweighed by how many players we will have healthy. So it sounds to me, Bailey, like you're saying, it really doesn't matter how many guys are out of the lineup. There's so many to back them up that everything's going to be fine no matter what. You may even be able to give the other guys a few more days of rest coming out of the pause. Give Don Scoy a night off or two. Give Gruby a couple extra days to, to get back to it. And maybe the rust factor will just be limited to a night or two for those guys. And when Grubauer and Donskoy and Byram all come back, they'll have their one game or so where they're a little rusty, but the rest of the team will already be firing all cylinders and they'll be able to have their back. So maybe that's a good point here. Adam Wynn says, I'm not worried at all. We've come back off of COVID breaks before, came back to beat Vegas. It wasn't our fastest style of play and we were rusty for a few games after return, but we played solid defense, especially Gerard and Taves, kept ourselves in those games and got things done. We are the only team in the entire league with under 10 regulation losses. So no, I am not worried one bit. You know, Adam, I I love the confidence that there's no worry for this team at all coming back after seeing them having to stop once before. And maybe that makes them seasoned. Maybe since they already know what they've gone through and know how to handle it when they come back, that they will be able to just get things going and fire away right out of the gate. 
JD Schick says, I'm betting that when we come back, we are back to playing smothering defense like we were after Matt came back from his injury. Hopefully players will be rested and ready to go. That's a good point. Talking about how they played after Nate McKinnon came back. They weren't playing well when he was gone. He came back and they started going again. This is almost like, you know, coming back from when he was gone again, even though the entire team wasn't playing. So maybe he's the guy to fire him up and get things going again. Ty Chiarella says, I was hoping we could keep playing to win the President's Trophy. Might be difficult now, but our health is the top priority. I think that if we keep the streak we had going, we'll be just fine. But everyone needs to start getting healthy for that to happen. Yeah, I don't know that I'm concerned about the President's Trophy. Having home ice advantage throughout the entire postseason is nice, but we've seen this team be able to get it done on the road also. And I know the playoffs are a different monster. There's probably going to be fans in the stands. How many will be the question? Are they even going to be an impact once we get that deep into the postseason? We don't know yet. So we will find out. But they still could get that President's Trophy because they have a little bit of a lead right now. I know it dwindled while they were on the pause, but they still have the same amount of games they get to play like everybody else so they can get back to where they were. Matt Legrone says, Cautiously optimistic. This team is built for success in the playoffs. It will depend on how long it takes to knock off the rust. It's a lot of games to make up in an already shortened timeline. We talked about that a little bit already, but I like cautiously optimistic. You don't want to get your hopes up too much when they come back. It'll be great to see them out there. I wouldn't expect a dominating performance in game one, but assess how they're doing. See where the adjustments need to be made as that first game goes on. Conditioning going to be a factor. You know, who's the first team they're going to play coming out? Is it going to be St. Louis? Is it going to be L.A.? Is it going to be Vegas? We don't know yet. Right now, the schedule says St. Louis and Vegas. Money's pretty good it's going to be against St. Louis, a team who you were just playing before this all went downhill a little bit. But I like the cautiously optimistic phrase that you put there in that one. Michael Neifert says, if it's just a few days, then there's no problem. If they are playing games while their opponents are resting, then that could be an issue. If they end up in a situation like Vancouver, then it could set them back. This will not be like Vancouver. I wanted to read off, Michael, your statement there just to bring up the point about Vancouver. This will not turn out that dire. It is not spreading like wildfire throughout the team like it did, unfortunately, for the Canucks, which is 100% a fantastic scenario to be able to be in the middle of if you have positive tests on your team. You got away with the three. Luckily, it didn't go anywhere else. So hopefully they don't have to worry about all that mess. Peter Kilfoyle says, One shouldn't expect the high-octane performance we were seeing this past month. It may take a few games getting their mojo back. That said, and acknowledging that may cost them the President's Trophy, the rest after a prolonged stretch of playing every other night will give them an advantage when the playoffs start. We must also hope Gruby shows no ill effects from his ailment. Also another good point. How much is this going to knock you down if Grubauer did have symptoms and he was bedridden? having to deal with everything, how much does it knock him backwards, conditioning-wise, and going forward. Thinks that'll give the team an advantage when they start the playoffs to have that time off. I would slightly disagree with that because they still have to play the rest of the games to finish out the season. So they're actually not going to have much of a break between the end of the regular season and the postseason. The NHL might decide to back up the postseason just enough to give everybody the same amount of time off before things start. Obviously, they're not going to play every playoff game on day one on the same day, they'll break them up with certain teams playing day one, day two, maybe even day three. We've seen that they do that in the past. But for the most part, everybody's going to have the same break after the regular season ends. And Colorado having, you know, still about a dozen games or so left in the regular season, 
I don't think that having the break is is going to have them refreshed going into the postseason like we all might hope that it would have. And finally, this one comes from Corey Fisher, and I picked this one because it has a prediction in there. Excited that it ensures Gru misses less games, but overall it gives our guys more rest in between games since we've had such a compressed schedule. First off, on that point, going forward that probably won't happen, but I get what you're saying. Right now, they have the break to get things back up and going again. He continues, I expect the top line to come out on fire Thursday night, assuming they play Thursday night. Mac is getting at least two goals, guaranteed, period. Those are your thoughts. Corey, thank you for the prediction as we wrap up all of your statements from social media. Thank you, everybody, for the input. Keep it coming. We'll have another question for you coming up next week. But Mac, two goals in that first game coming back. Corey, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to it. And I'm going to comment back to you on Facebook and let you know if you got it right, if you got it wrong, obviously if you're wrong and they win, I don't really care. But if you're wrong and they lose, you're going to hear it from me. I'm going to come after you. <laughs> oh, I don't come after people that bad. I know that when I do something like that, it'll come back at me ten times harder than I dished it out. So I tend to err on the side of caution. You'll get your praise if he scores a couple of goals on Thursday. But if he doesn't... I'm going to have to ask you for another prediction for the game coming up on Saturday. Again, should they be played? We really don't know what the situation is yet, but hopefully we get some clarity here over the next day or two. Once again, you're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eric Pesolano. Follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Eric underscore Pesolano to see some more content. We'll have your social media questions coming your way next week. I don't even know what it's going to be yet. I usually wait to see how the week plays out. Ask a question usually around Sunday or Monday. Get your thoughts and we'll read them here on the show just like we did a minute ago. Before we get out of here, on a lighter note, like we always like to finish up, you know, a guy who's been a thorn in the side of the avalanche for years and years and years. And we talked about him a few weeks ago on the show, giving him accolades for the Iron Man, not streak, but the Iron Man that he is, and the number of games he was able to play in this National Hockey League. Of course, I'm talking about Patrick Marlowe from the San Jose Sharks, who on Monday night played in his 1,768th career NHL game, which is the most in the history of the league, surpassing Gordie Howe, the great Gordie Howe, for an honor that, look, is something that in this day and age, you never really thought you'd see. We already know hockey players are built differently than other athletes. And we know that they get knocked around more than any other athlete in sports on a consistent, regular basis throughout a single game. To be able to break a streak like this in today's day and age is nothing short of incredible. And credit has to be given where credit is due to the man wearing the black and teal for the San Jose Sharks, 1,768 games in our lifetime, we've seen this guy play. That's absolutely insane. Of course, his career has spanned three teams, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Toronto Maple Leafs, but most notably, the long time he spent with the Sharks, and then came back, and then left again, and is now back with the Sharks a third time, to be able to put together that many games in a career in this league, you, you know, it's a tap of the stick to you, tip of the bucket 
Whatever you got to do, give the man his credit. Only able to get to one Stanley Cup final course back with the Sharks a few years ago when they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins. But a guy who brought it every single night that he could. And I want to first off shut down all the people out there who were talking about, oh, well, his level of play isn't up to par like it was when he was in his prime. So really, they're just throwing him out there for a few minutes every night just so he could get this record. Still got to be healthy. You still got to be healthy. You still got to be able to lace it up, and you still got to be able to go out there and get hit every single night to get to this point. So don't try to discredit that at all. Out here saying if he wasn't near the record, he probably wouldn't play as much. First of all, you're damn right that's the case. Of course he wouldn't play as much. But he still is, and he's still going out there, and he's not contributing as much as he did back in the day. Gordy Howe didn't contribute as much as he did when he was in his prime. That's how careers work. You decline as you get near the end, most of the time, if you have a career that is fortunate to last as long as it has. He's gone out there, played in every one of those games, and if you think he's just skating around out there just to get another game under his belt, you're wrong. Go watch the man play. He's busting it out there as much as he can for every shift that he goes out there. That's why this record is something that probably won't happen again. This is probably it. Unless modern medicine makes a grandiose leap over the next century, which of course it will, but in this current day and age, and the way the game is played, you would think guys would last a lot longer, but they don't. Because more precautions are taken when guys get hurt. If somebody sprains a pinky, you're out for two nights. Now you've lost two games. That ain't gonna happen a ton with Marlowe. I'm not sure we're ever going to see that again from anybody in the National Hockey League. So congratulations to Patrick Marlowe on setting the NHL's all-time games played record with 1,768. And guess what? He got to do it in Sin City. Of all the teams that could have hosted this momentous occasion, they just happened to be in Vegas. Oh boy. Have fun after the game, fellas. Don't go too hard. That's going to do it for this episode of Believe in Avalanche here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'll say it again. Don't forget, you can go onto social media, follow the show at Believe in Avs on Twitter at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Eric underscore Pesolano. You'll find me on there. We'll ask the poll question next week and get your thoughts. We'll read them on air for the next show as well. And hopefully by then, we will have seen this team play a few more games on their quest to get that top spot in the Honda NHL West division. Okay, so let's guess. If they play three games between now and our next show, how many points do I want? I want five. We did five last time. Turned out pretty well. Well, no it didn't because they ended up having a few games postponed. They played one game. And they got both points. They got 100% of the available points to them. But I'm going to take 5 out of 6 as my hope for the next week as they continue to climb in the standings, not just in the NHL, but in the division as well. All right, that's it for us. You know how we do it. Go get me 5 points next week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Go Abs, go.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.